Welcome to our podcast, Are You There Universe, hosted by me, Jamie Wu, and Sunny Yu, two high-achieving Asian-American women recovering from burnout. Join us as we embark on a journey to reclaim ourselves and inner power, unpack and explore the transformative nature of social change and justice at the level of the spirit, and heal our past traumas by exploring our present. Because when you heal yourself, you heal the world. When you evolve, the world evolves with you. A quick note from your hosts. The following episode was recorded prior to election day and the days of anticipation leading up to the final results. We wanted to take a moment to rejoice with you and the millions of Americans who chose hope over fear, opportunity over despair, and decency over obscenity. Choosing this presidency was a crucial step in our collective path towards healing and joy, but we know it's not the end-all, be-all solution. Here at Are You There Universe, we remain steadfast in creating a community that not only continues to advocate for social justice and equity, but also engages in our own inner work so that we may pave the way to self-love, purpose, and mastery over our realities. We stand here ready to continue reclaiming our inner power with you, unpacking the meaning of social change at the level of the spirit, and heal our past traumas by exploring our present and reimagining our future. Thanks for sticking with us. For those of you who have been following along, you might remember that episode seven, we graciously had Dr. Anita Vasudevan, who shared a little bit about her uh, spiritual journey as it relates to yoga and physical wellness. Mm -hmm. And in our conversations with her, we actually also broached the topic of imposter syndrome, which Mm -hmm. Sunny and I thought would be a fabulous topic to really dive into uh, and dedicate an entire episode to. And just because... We both have had such close experiences with that feeling, and I Mm -hmm. think a lot of our listeners probably feel the same way. Wouldn't you say, Sunny? Yeah. It affects many of us, especially who are navigating institutions that have a history of not including people Mm -hmm. who look like us, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's important really to define what imposter syndrome is, right? It's... Mm -hmm. It's essentially, and and I think people can define it in many different ways, but how I would personally define it is walking into a space where you feel like you don't belong, where Mm -hmm. you feel like you are not worthy of being there. You're an imposter in, you know, in this space, like you're pretending to be something that you're not so that you could fit in. And a lot of people may feel this in workspaces or especially in spaces that don't reflect their identity, right? So like walking into a boardroom and it's all men and you're the only woman there, et cetera. Yeah. And I experience it when I feel like I have to like code switch Mm. um, in order to be understood or in order to fit in to the space. Um, Mm -hmm. And so actually this happens a lot in academia (laughs) Mm, (laughs) because we all have an idea about what academia is who belongs there, who does this work, who your professors are. Mm-hmm. And my good friend who recently graduated with a PhD here at University of Michigan, she did a YouTube video about this and we'll link that in the podcast description. 
but she references how the psychological term for imposter syndrome refers to a pattern of behavior where people doubt their accomplishments and have this persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. Mm. Yeah, mm. but it's not an actual disorder. And it really describes when people think they don't deserve the success that they have, or they don't mm-hmm. deserve to be there. Yeah, I remember very distinctly, and this is a story I share in Yes, She Can, the book I had mentioned previously. When I first started working at the White House, I was 24 years old, right? I walked in the highest levels of power in government in this country, and everyone around me was brilliant, was intelligent, was so smart, so driven, so talented, so accomplished. And I'm standing there thinking like, they they had to have made a mistake. Like there's no way I'm here. Like how can I even you know live up to these people's expectations of perfection? You know, and mm-hmm. um and not to mention, you know, there were obviously I mentioned one example is a space of like walking into a meeting and you, perhaps you're the only woman, or walking into the meeting and you're the only person of color, or walking into a meeting you're only woman or person of color. Right? There is like mm-hmm. definitely a lot of those spaces in government in corporate finance world and Hollywood Mm -hmm. and just, you know, so many spaces that I hopefully have been changing over the course of time. But it took a long time to really come to terms with and feel comfortable in my own skin. You know, Mm -hmm. I think like, because you are so in awe of everyone around you, for me, it was like, I was constantly putting their comfort over my own discomfort. And therefore, Mm -hmm just kind of tampering down my d- discomfort, my identity so that I could just fit in and be accepted. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you had that same feeling too, Sunny, but. No, absolutely. I've had such early experiences of imposter syndrome because actually even before Duke, I got a scholarship to go attend this private school in Seoul. It was a private international school and it felt like I was, to say it crudely, if you were to rank everybody in school in terms of their socioeconomic status, right? Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I was in the bottom five students in the school. And so then that's when I first started feeling this sense of imposter syndrome where I started learning how to pass as mm. being more affluent than I was. Kind of that and, another element of code switching there, right? Right, right, right. And not making someone else uncomfortable by saying mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't actually afford this or that. And, you know, mm-hmm. making excuses like, oh, I'm so, I'm busy that day or I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that being a thing. And that was, again, reinforced when I was at Duke. I don't know if you remember orientation, but like during the middle of orientation, they had this event for students receiving financial aid. And before this event, there was a crowd of us. We're all giddy to be there. We're trying to establish some kind of like friend group. And then this event comes around. That's an information workshop about your financial aid, what it means and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden, it was like a third of us split from the group to go to this event that none of the other students had to go to. 
And then we arrive at the financial aid workshop and it's like, oh, 30% of Duke students receive financial aid. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, oh my God. Very clearly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I have a similar experience. And that was, I remember I had made this friend, I think it was like my sophomore year and you know, she was a woman of color. We hung out a lot. We were involved in the same clubs and the same things. And it was later that holiday season, I was kind of scrolling on Instagram and I saw this photo that she posted of this like massive Christmas tree in like, in like what looked like a hotel lobby. Like it was this huge, like 20 foot Christmas tree, like decorated and like this gorgeous, like sofa, like just massive area. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, they must be at this really nice resort. And I think she wrote something like, snuggling up in my living room and I, my mm-hmm. jaw dropped <laughs> <laughs> in living room. And, and it was someone who, you know, I had just kind of had no idea the amount of wealth that existed at Duke. And I think that was my first real exposure and then going back there. And, and then all of a sudden I felt like kind of strange being around her. I was like, maybe we aren't the same. And, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of where this imposter syndrome comes from too. It's, it, it is, not a real disorder, as you said. It is tied to the stories that we tell in our heads, right? As mm-hmm. you know, kind of an homage to one of our former episodes about storytelling of the mind, that mm-hmm. we, you know, tie these certain things to value. And then in doing so, embracing this idea that we're not worthy of that value, right? And we're not worthy of that space or or anything like that. It signals that it's not safe to be who you are mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. That somehow, if you were to tell someone the truth about your financial situation, that mm-hmm. it would make the other person uncomfortable. Right. And that is actually a stressor. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of Anita's conversation about, um, I forget the technical term, but it's like a stress load, right? On our oh, psyche and our body. Load. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of that. When you're constantly made to feel like you can't communicate to somebody or express the realities of you, who you are and mm-hmm. your context or history, it can be very stressful right. and painful. Right. Yeah. To your point about not wanting to make other people uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's so tied to just wanting things to remain at the status quo, mm-hmm. right? You're like, okay, I just want to get by. I just want to, mm-hmm. you know, stay mm-hmm. at Duke and not make any waves and make anybody angry or they'll figure out I'm a fraud, right? Or mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to stay at the White House, put my head down, work really hard. Otherwise, they're going to figure out that I don't belong here and I just mm-hmm. don't want to bump the status quo. And that's difficult for people, for women of color, for underrepresented communities that have never been part of the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. The status quo that is white, that is het, that is, you know, mm-hmm. upper middle class, that is male. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a really interesting point about discomfort and what is, you know, normal, quote unquote. Yeah. And also... I didn't have the tools to be critical about those things Mm -hmm. and all, and that if I were to bring it forward, I didn't know how to disidentify myself from Mm -hmm. the value structures that those conversations would invoke. So Mm -hmm. like, 
you know, capitalism, inequality, right? <laughs> large concepts that we're, I mean, we're just coming into our own, right? Of mm-hmm. like, we're just trying to also like survive and and figure out who we actually are, right? In all these scenarios, we are buying into this idea that we can be equal mm. when we ignore those differences, mm. like at the on campus, as opposed like, to embracing those differences. Yeah. yeah, wow, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you kind of totally ignore the threat that comes with being marginalized, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome, as I mentioned earlier, is is about this kind of fear of not belonging, right? Fear of not being accepted. And I think in that, rooted in that, is a level of shame, right? Of just mm-hmm. being ashamed of who you are because, you know, you don't fit in the status quo, right? Being ashamed mm-hmm. of your history because it's not the history that is, you know, in your face every day about what matters in this country or what matters in a capitalist patriarchal society. But also it's that when you are a certain degree of respectable, it's accepted to demonstrate those qualities. So like you want to demonstrate that you're intelligent. You want to demonstrate that you're financially independent or affluent. You want to demonstrate that you are well-traveled and cosmopolitan. Like these are qualities Mm -hmm. that we deem as being valuable in a way that is often reinforced around us. Mm -hmm. And just like how people kind of measure leadership, right? Mm. Hillary Clinton suffered from this like public Mm -hmm. opinion of what leadership was. Like first, you know, when she was first lady or when she was, I'm sorry, when she was secretary of state, like she had to be a man, right? Quote Mm -hmm. unquote, she had to be masculine. She had to be, you know, put forth this strength, right? And then people said, okay, well, you're, now you're too bullish and you're too Mm -hmm. bitchy and you're too whatever. And then, so she's like, okay, well now I'm going to bring my feminine side. Then people are like, but that, that's not you. Now you're, you know, it's just like, there's always going to be these challenges. And when you're trying to fit in, right? Rather than just embracing who you are. It's about introducing something different Mm -hmm. to that space. Right. Creating a new paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. A totally new paradigm around how to see value and how to demonstrate value. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by this too is in what kind of world would we enter a space where someone can actually demonstrate with confidence and with with a comfort that mm-hmm. they are from a lower socioeconomic background. Mm-hmm. You know, and this this manifests in so many different ways. Like when I first moved to LA, you know, I had this amazing stack of of experiences, but I still felt like an imposter working at a production company because I didn't know anything about film. I didn't know anything about the classic Mm -hmm. film classics and film directors Mm -hmm. and what this camera is and what this lens is. And, and, you know, in that space, I'm like, okay, I feel like an imposter. I feel like I have to pretend or I have to like kind of fake my way through it. And, you know, I think it, it really manifests in all these places where you are kind of the minority, right? Mm-hmm. And so how can we invite a paradigm where the majority feels that way, right? And the and the, mm-hmm. the status quo feels a sense of imposter syndrome so that, you know, we can be embracing the difference. We can be embracing these unique perspectives, unique experiences as the kind of North Star as opposed to, 
you know, the regular way of doing things as the North Star? For me, what comes up immediately is how imposter syndrome is based on this idea that we come as fixed people with Mm. these like really stable objects to offer people. You know what I mean? Mm. But even when you talk about entering this new industry, there seems to be a lack of emphasis on the fact that you are an incredible fast learner. Mm-hmm. You are incredibly resourceful, mm-hmm. observant, adaptable. Like these are the qualities that we want to see right. in working with people. Right. Regardless of whether you in know a space. who directed yeah. this 1950 movie. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like all of those things, all those skills can be taught. Like someone can teach me how to use the library, right. you know, yeah. but really what are the core elements that make me such a great scholar, for instance, you know, it's yeah. not the wealth of knowledge that I have right, right. <laughs> or my, the speed at which I write and read. Right. It's, it's something else. Yeah. Right. So another element of imposter syndrome that I think is so embedded in the storytelling of the mind is, is kind of blowing up things in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and reinforcing the narrative that you don't belong. So like, oh, those people are talking about me or this Mm -hmm. situation arose specifically to hurt me because I already realized that I don't belong. And so now I'm seeing all these things that reinforce that I don't belong. And so then it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's a a negative feedback loop Mm -hmm. because it actually, anytime you, your beliefs are, confirmed it makes you think mm. that you know what's going on so it feels empowering right like you have a to sense be of like control. yeah mm-hmm. like I know what's really going on mm. mm-hmm. yeah but at the end of the day it still hurts you right yeah. and it doesn't resolve the feeling of imposter syndrome because you will still mm. operate in that space feeling insecure feeling like a fraud yeah and I think this relates to time mm. because it means that when we enter a space, we want to be able to predict how a space will unfold mm. so that we can figure out where we, be- where we actually belong in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I think our title really encapsulates it all, right? The masks we wear and the cost that wearing that mask kind of creates. Mm-hmm. So... You mentioned your friend who did this kind of YouTube video talking about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, she offers some kind of individual solutions to kind of overcome that particular fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think we should talk about some of those individual solutions. And then beyond that, would love to talk through some of the more systemic collective solutions that we can reimagine for a new world, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of continuing our theme of reimagining a new paradigm, inviting a new mm-hmm. paradigm. But let's start with what are some of those kind of simple ways that we can be embracing our own identities as we walk into um, these difficult spaces? Steph gives us a really great place to start offering some suggestions, starting with giving yourself a list of facts, collecting evidence and stories about how you do belong in the spaces that you are in. Mm. You also want to practice being comfortable taking up space and stop apologizing. 
because every time you apologize, you're reinforcing to yourself Mm -hmm. that you don't belong there. Yeah, I think that's a great strategy. I also think, you know, reminding yourself, and this is something we talked about with the storytelling, is that this is something that can be cured, right? This is something Mm -hmm. we can retell, we can redirect, and we can recreate a new space in terms of what we believe. And so, you know, not seeing it as like, okay, I'm an imposter. That's it. Well, this experience is going to be like forever. It's like, it's not like that at all. You know, you Mm -hmm. you can change that in terms of reframing your perspective. And also what inspires me to combat imposter syndrome is the faith that when I show up as who I am in the truest sense, that I will Mm -hmm. ignite someone else's desire to be themselves in that space. Mm -hmm. And that also I'm creating an audience who can appreciate my difference. Right. There's also another way to think about this as an opportunity to really investigate who you are and who Mm -hmm. you want to be in these spaces. Mm -hmm. There's so much, really so much possibility. Like how does you just being there open up different opportunities, different visions for a new reality to be had? Mm. And that's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And as we're thinking through these individual solutions, the collective solutions, the systemic solutions are just as important, if not more important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you mention structural change, I think it really means that the spaces that we enter in an institutional sense is responsible for creating spaces that facilitate differences to exist. Mm -hmm. I think what has happened and that has affected our education, right, in the Mm -hmm. early 2000s is that differences became something to be overcome, Mm -hmm. you know, and which reinforced a different status quo. Mm -hmm. Whenever you try to institute a different norm, what happens is that people just think it should be so easy. Like, oh, yeah, of course, we have all these values. These are our new norms done. Like Mm -hmm. you bring a bunch of kids together and you assume that nobody has a problem with race or gender and you kind of teach to everybody as though they were equal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a problem. Without recognizing that there are historical traumas and, and cultural differences that you have to acknowledge. It's like Like the whole, um, the whole colorblind thing, right? Like, Oh, I just don't see race. So like, I'm just Mm going to treat everybody equally, but it's, that's such a simple way of looking at a very complex problem. Yeah, you actually have to treat everybody differently, but differently in a differently through the lens of the love ethic. Right. Right. Not mm-hmm. for the intention of marginalizing people, but for the in- intention of including them. Right. Right. And this also means healing the divide that exists between the personal and the professional. Like I think of the very idea of professionalism as kind of like, oh, I'm going to leave my private life and my personality at the door and I'm going to come and show up to work as a replaceable worker. Like an automaton. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Like a robot almost. Yeah. 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 And I'm just here to do work and I'm here from this time to this time. And that's what allows for violence to be had because it distances the employer from the employee, the teacher from the student. Mm -hmm. It allows you to treat them like abstract beings. Right. And if you actually knew 
more about their context, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you come from this background. These are the things that you struggled with. We all have struggles, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you got to really know a person, it would become harder and harder to exploit them, Mm -hmm. to take advantage of them, Mm -hmm. to just fire them because they did a shitty job on one project. Mm-hmm. You would be invested in them as a human being and be like, because we're all capable of adapting. That's what being a human is. <laughs> yeah. And I want to say your note too about you're leaving your personality at the door and you're kind of showing up as this, you know, reproduced person that everyone mm-hmm. is like, right. It's like kind of like a robot in a sense. And I think that really beautifully ties to mindfulness in the sense that when imposter syndrome really takes root in mm. our identities, that's when we experience that kind of uh, rift between our mind and body, right? Like our mm-hmm. body is doing one thing. We're just like kind of faking it till we make it, right? Mm-hmm. And our mind is like doing a complete other thing. It's like almost regressing, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're not allowing it to thrive and flourish as a true authentic identity that you are. And so mm-hmm. I think too, as we talk about taking a breath of as we talk about giving ourselves space and time to really Mm -hmm. honor our history, to really embrace our own identities, that helps that body-mind converge, right? And so maybe, Mm -hmm. and I think that is like both an individual solution and a collective solution because that that too also operates in a love ethic. If we all do that, if systems allowed Mm -hmm. for that, then we can actually move towards a more peaceful and joyful future. And also what you're really pinpointing for me is this idea that we are on a linear path of growth and efficiency. Like Thich Nhat Hanh really talks about how healing is when, when you feel free from the pressure to strive towards something. Oh, yeah. And when I heard mm. that, it was just so, it, it just like touched me so deeply because it made me realize that, oh yeah, it's not about getting somewhere or the accomplishments I hope to make. It's really about witnessing how I'm constantly evolving and growing in the present moment. And that Mm. is what completes me. Mm. That is me in its most complete state is that I am growing and I'm evolving. We're human beings, Mm. right? We're human beings. And so often we're so we're doing the thing, we're moving forward. We're Mm -hmm. constantly just like acting, you know, X, Y, Z, doing all these different things when we aren't giving ourselves a chance to just be, right? And Mm -hmm. that's what mindfulness and meditation give us a space to do is to, is to be and to recognize that we're growing while we're being, you know, all at the same time. So I really love that. Mm-hmm. If I could imagine a new world, it would be a world where we didn't think of time as a scarce resource mm. and really thought about how we experience time instead. Mm. You know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of thinking of time as a quantified thing that you use up through the day, like what is the quality with which you experience time? 
time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because something that I am wary of is that people learn new skills at different rates. They learn differently in different Mm -hmm. ways. And in order for us to really accommodate all those differences, beautiful differences, it means doing things more slowly. Hmm. What I'm hearing is also just, it's being present Mm -hmm. and being present with what you're doing because so often we're thinking about the next thing while we're doing the thing that we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be enjoying or this thing Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to be learning. It's like they say, Mm -hmm. people are always so stressed out on the last day of their vacation because they're constantly thinking about the work that they have to do instead of just embracing this day, you know? And I think that plays to what you're saying too, of honoring the time that you are given or honoring the time that you take. And really what being present means is you enter a space with total openness for how things could end up Mm -hmm. and how it might not go the way you predict. Right. Right. Oh, that was what an episode. That was such a great conversation. (laughs) And I think uh, a great segue into our affirmations of the week. Mm -hmm. So if you can join me now to find a space where you can either stand still or sit still as you bring your attention to your breath and begin to Bring up in your mind all the spaces that you inhabit in your day-to-day life, both imaginary and real. And as you keep moving through those spaces, your workplace, the family, your neighborhood, Repeating to yourself, I deserve to be here. My differences matter. I am safe to be myself. I deserve to be here. My differences matter. I am safe to be myself. And then seeing that these spaces have been transformed just by you being there. Thank you, Sunny. That was beautiful. And I think such a perfect combination of mantras for this episode and we're nearing the end of our season one which is wild our next episode episode 10 will be our last of 2020 and Mm -hmm. we'll be back in 2021 with a new season Uh, so we hope you have enjoyed today and we hope you will stick around for our final episode of this season and until then continue to reach out Share with us your mantras um, Mm -hmm. and tell us if any of these strategies or thought processes have helped your journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for following us so far. We're excited to talk to you then. 
Thank you for joining us on Are You There Universe, where we get to reimagine a new world together. We're so grateful to you, and we hope you can join us again next time to dive deeper into the intersections between social justice and spirituality. If you're curious about our other projects and extensions of this work, connect with us. We'd love to have you join our community on Instagram at areyouthere.universe. You can also find me, Sunny, at sunny underscore mystic, and find Jamie on her website, www.jamiewu.com.